Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 35. Recorded February 15th, 2020. On this episode, I speak with Jose Martinez. Some of you may know Jose Martinez. He is currently transit reporter for the city. The city is an independent, nonprofit news outlet dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York City. Prior to the city, Jose was transit reporter for New York One. Prior to New York One, he was court reporter for the New York Daily News and the New York Post. And excitingly, this is his second appearance on the podcast. On Tuesday, February 11th, Jose and I met, and on this episode, primarily, we discuss Andy Byford's resignation the factors that led up to his resignation, and what that may mean for the capital plan and the fast-forward plan. After my conversation with Jose Martinez, I will speak on what we learned from Jose and my thoughts on what we had learned from him. Following my summary, I will have contact information for Jose Martinez, the city, and myself. Please enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Jose Martinez, Some of you may know Jose Martinez. He is currently transit reporter for the city. The city is an independent nonprofit news outlet dedicated to hard-hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Prior to the city, Jose was transit reporter for New York One. Prior to New York One, he was court reporter to the New York Daily News and the New York Post. This is also Jose's second appearance on the podcast. Thanks for coming back. That's some sort of record. It is a record. All right. So far. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah. So much has happened since we spoke last spring. Absolutely. But today we, we want to primarily focus on Andy Byford's resignation. The second one that we know of in about six months, but this one stuck. Uh, at, at some point I started calling him Andy, should I stay or should I go Byford? Because, yeah, he had that initial resignation, which was then pulled back. And this time it is now coming up on his final days as president of New York City Transit. He is uh, quietly going out the door, but it wasn't quite that way when this first happened. Uh, It broke, uh, courtesy of Dana Rubenstein's story in Politico, during an MTA meeting, so you can imagine how wacky that was when word of Mr. Byford's uh, impending exit started going through the room. It was really, it was something to see. And uh, I'm sure that was a very, very long day for all of us on the transit beat. Do you think we'll ever see the first letter of resignation? You know, I've seen others who have made the point about that letter, and and little was known about it other than it was described in a Jim Dwyer story in the New York Times as blistering. So I'm not sure that we'll ever get much more of a detail about it than that. His second letter of resignation, which was made public, did make very clear in polite language um, that Mr. Byford was choosing to leave because his duties as head of New York City Transit had been uh, stifled to some degree. The MTA, as anyone who follows the MTA knows, is going through what's called a transformation. 
And what that has resulted in is agency presidents, say the president of New York City Transit, the other agencies, the bridges and tunnels, Long Island Railroad, having some of their duties taken out. That didn't go over very well with Andy Byford, and he said so in his letter. But whether we first see that initial resignation letter from some months back, who knows. Bottom line is he's leaving. He is, uh, I, I believe, February 21st is his last day. So, you know, he's on the countdown clock at this point, and out he goes. No doubt that he will uh, land somewhere else. Right. But in two years, he will leave behind something of a legacy, which is which is a, a, a nice thing to, to have on your record. Uh, this was a dream job for him. He said so. He came here. He took on the challenge, and he found out, as so many other presidents of the agency have found out before him, that it's a really, really tough job to thrive and survive in, but he certainly does leave uh, with some accomplishments and also having made the sale on some really important projects that'll be part, if, if things go accordingly or as planned, in the upcoming uh, MTA 2020 to 2024 capital plan. So what was the feeling in the room when it was announced during the last board meeting, the greatest day of the month? Everybody knows it as hashtag TGDOTM. Will, will he be there for the next greatest day of the month, or will he be gone? I don't that? believe so. I think that I think that that's his like yeah, it's coming up. I think uh, he may be gone, but it was really something because the board had gone into what's called executive session, where they were describing. Uh, where they were uh, kicking around matters uh, related to, I believe, collective bargaining mm -hmm. or security. That's always how they go into uh, executive session. And so it was sort of, as I called it in another interview, halftime, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and people were milling around the room, talking to people, um, having conversations. I happened to be talking with uh, the head of the Transport Workers Union, uh, John Samuelson, and the head of the local of uh, Local 100, Tony Tano, and we were just catching up on things, talking about other matters, and, and then suddenly one of the other reporters runs by, uh, the guy who succeeded me at New York One, Dan Rivoli, and he says, Byford resign, and just like that, he sprints by, and Tony and John were caught off guard, They're like, did you hear that? Did I just hear it correctly? Just, well, minutes earlier, I had seen them talking to Byford, and they were stunned, and everyone was stunned the reporters, the people in the room who work for the MTA. Uh, now, how it happened, I, I should say, was a surprise to people. But that it happened, perhaps that isn't so much of a surprise, given that people rarely stay in that job for more than two years. Andy made it just over two years since he came over from the Toronto Transit Commission. So I guess you could call that an extended run. But it's really a tough job, and he learned that when politics comes into the job, it really uh, makes things a lot more challenging for someone who was brought here to really uh, give New York City Transit a boost after it had gone through some really difficult times a few years back. Well, his re as we mentioned previously, the reasons why he left was a reorganization plan. It basically took away large chunks of his job. But we should also point out that he was frequently undermined by the governor 
and he had issues with how much this resignaling was going to cost. He didn't think it was going to cost as much as he said it would. However, this is a big system, and I think Andy Byford knows better about signals than the governor does. Governor, based on the fact that he's in it all the time. The governor became involved in. Uh, as you know, he's become a lot more involved in, in things pertaining to the MTA. It's about time. I mean, yeah. and Byford, it only took him like a few, almost a decade to do so. But it's better late than ever, I guess. Well, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough tough uh, relationship uh, because you have two let's face it two strong bulls here: mm-hmm. the governor and Andy Byford, who Byford for as as polite and uh, understated as he may appear to be. Is a is a sharp guy. He knows yep. how things get done, but it is a very tough political environment for anyone to uh, come in from out of town and try and learn it as he did in two years. But it's also worth noting that Byford did make the sale on some things uh, that are in the next capital plan, which are really potentially very important to improving service. Namely, that there are going to be uh, signal upgrades along six stretches. Of different subway lines throughout the system. Uh, Also, to increase the number of stations that will become compatible under the Americans with Disabilities Act, these are things that Byford on day one said, I am going to get this done. So I remember standing out there in the cold in January of 2018 and Byford pulls in the Bowling Green and he meets with the press and he says, these are the things I'm going to do. I'm going to be an advocate for uh, increased uh, performance for more for better and more modern signals. He got that done, or at least a commitment to it. He talked about uh, becoming an advocate for the people in the disabilities community. Said that there needed to be 50 stations with uh, elevators or uh, accessibility under the ADA. It turned out that now the commitment is for 70 stations or 66 rather mm-hmm. in the next capital plan. So these are big sales that Byford makes. The question now is whether this will stay in the capital plan once it really begins to, to take shape. But you know, Byford really did make the sale on uh, signal upgrades in the system. The governor has his own idea on signal upgrades. He's very strongly committed to pushing the ultra-wideband uh, technology, which is... is really- it has not used, been used you know. in that type of setting, so that uh, was one thing that I don't they think we should be the guinea pig on. for that. But I, I don't think so, but that's just me. But uh, what Byford was committed to was instead to making communications-based train control upgrades, which we're now starting to see uh, beyond the L and the 7. They're starting to uh, accelerate the process along the Queens Boulevard line other stretches of the system as well. And and like I said earlier, then you have those six segments all over the city uh, of the subway system, which should and hopefully will make for a a better ride and a a speedier ride for for millions of people. Well, unfortunately, right after he resigned, his main signal engineer, um, Pete Tomlin, also resigned right after him. So Yeah, Pete, we hardly knew you. He was here just about... About, six, about a year, year, I believe, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he called him, uh, Andy Byford would refer to Pete Tomlin as his signals guru. The MTA's uh, spokespeople said this was expected, that when Byford left, that Tomlin would 
likely fall out the door. And, and yes, that's exactly what he did. But going back to the meeting when he resigned, I'll tell you, this was kind of interesting because Byford was at Two Broadway in Lower Manhattan, and this happens, and I'm told that it was a, you know, kind of a oh, heated uh, moment when uh, this happens. Uh, but at the same time, or a little bit later, I should say, that day, Tomlin, his signals guru, as he called him, was scheduled to give uh, some form of presentation on that ultra-wideband technology that uh, I mentioned. So it was just kind of weird, you know, here's Byford on his way out, and here's Tomlin, who's going to follow him, and at that moment he's scheduled to put on uh, a press uh, demonstration of how they're working on, on, on technology that he's not going to be around to see how it ends up working here in the New York City well, transit system. Well, he had system. a commitment. At least he followed through on that commitment, you know. It's, it's a short-lived uh, existence when you're top brass at uh, the MTA and at New York City Transit. High-stress job, high-pressure job. There is no shortage of pressure from the public, from the press, from the political system, whether it's at City Hall or in Albany. It really is an intense job. And Byford, uh, he's still, even even yesterday, I got a photo of him on a subway platform. Someone texted me a photo. He was in look, Queens yesterday. Look who I saw at 71st Continental, and he's still wearing his little New York City Transit badge, talking to people. So he's going through all the way to the end. But if you see the events that have happened since he resigned, you'll see that other top brass are now speaking for the MTA, and, and I think you've seen the last of Andy Byford uh, as a face for the organization, which he really was for a good portion of his time here. You know, well, the guy, second it was announced, they got rid of his announcements at certain stations. Yeah. That, they, they, uh, they, they're erasing him. That British accent, which I actually, I think I only heard it once while I was waiting for the B train at uh, 59th Columbus Circle. And it's late, and I hear it, and I'm like, hey, that's Andy Pyford, but no more. That's gone. Uh, you know, maybe more more they, Aquafina they, announcements are on the way. Oh, But I wonder how much money they got from that from Comedy Central. They won't, they won't release those numbers. Hasn't been stated. Uh, it was we just, should know how much they got for that. It was just about... Where is that money going to go? Because I figure that out. No, it's an interesting question. One of my editors here at the city, that's the city.nyc, <laughs> has been uh, asking me about Aquafina, how much, what was the arrangement there? So, uh, to date, uh, it's a question that's not yet answered, but I'd certainly like to get at it. As, as with all questions about the transit. <laughs> the, yeah. Let's talk about buses. He was known as the quote, train daddy, but he brought buses on par with trains. They're just as important as that the trains. He had four commitments, and you know I mentioned some of them earlier. Uh, and buses, turning around bus service, where ridership has been decreasing, was a priority of Byford's. And he was heavily involved in some of the bus redesigns, which are being done in, in all the boroughs. Started in Staten Island, that was really not so much his property as it was. He was just there when it rolled out. Right. And he, he put out a lot of fires when there were many issues. Yes, that. took a lot of heat for it from people who were grumbling about and changes. And he developed a really good friendship with borough president Jimmy Otto. No, Jimmy Otto. It's just like, you go, I followed all the borough presidents and they would go out, their, him and his wives would go out to dinner. They developed an actual friendship. The politicians which was in this, unique. 
the politicians in this city took to Andy Byford uh, in a rather interesting and quick manner. They really did. Except, um, you know, de Blasio. De Blasio was a little slow on <laughs> getting around to meet with Mr. Byford, but, you know, after Byford resigns, then the mayor, along with Corey Johnson, were saying, oh, please stay and keep Andy Byford, and they got a hashtag going on Twitter, and it was... You know, the genie was way out of the bottle by then, going, and it just come back. on. It's just, like that, that that horse left the stable. It's, yeah, you can't, you there can't was bring there was in. a chance where perhaps their relationship could have been solidified to the point where they, they were really advocates for the guy, but it was uh, it was just kind of funny how after the guy resigned, then all of a sudden everyone was like, "Keep Andy." Said, no, he's gone. He's out. <laughs> but you know, he will. He's been going to the public meetings, especially the ones in Queens, where he took a lot of heat for how the bus redesign is being taken. And he's like in basements surrounded by people and trying to... Unhappy people. Unhappy people. Unhappy people. And he manages to take a large group of people. I don't want to call them a mob because they're not really a mob. They're just frustrated riders. Sure. And he manages to make it sound okay. He's trying to explain how better this is than the other system that we have now, but their input is worthy of, Any, of speaking. I so. think anything is a really, really tough sell in New York. It really is. And community meetings are venues where you just see... It's actually democracy how, in action. How frustrating it can be for both sides. Yep. It's democracy in action. Absolutely. It's like the... I, I, I read on Twitter that the Iowa caucuses are basically New York community meetings, and I was like, yeah, pretty much. It's just a bunch of people like yelling over each other, telling them what their, why their opinion matters. And so it works. You might sway somebody to yeah. your opinion by yelling at them. A lot of noise. If you uh, go to enough of those things, you'll see just how it works. We're talking community board meetings. We're talking city council. We're talking MTA meetings, my favorite, as you know. Uh, there's nothing quite like that. But, yeah, things can get heated. People are very passionate about transit in this city. They're passionate about their bus service, their, their train service, their local station. And the MTA makes for a convenient villain and target. And I think but just they kind about, of brought it upon themselves. Well, you could say that. But, you know, look, it's a, it's a place that's shaped in many ways by outside forces, by the economy, by the whims of politicians, uh, by the support or lack of support of, of the riding public, all of that makes for a place that is a really, really uh, tough place to be. Uh, but you know, let's, let's face it, uh, going back to Byford, there were, there were certainly some upgrades, some upticks to subway service, there were improvements to speed corridors. There were things that he can take with him. Uh, there are trains faster. Yeah, trains along dozens of corridors throughout the subway system. And I appreciated that. You, know, you were uh, an R train rider. I that am was, an R that train was, rider. That was the first stretch uh, along the R. Um, of course, we will be getting new signals in, this, uh, in, the speed, in the fast forward line. But I'm well, not bitter about that at all. You, you, you get uh, your patchwork fixes where you can get them and, and hope that someday uh, a bigger fix is on the way. But um, that's exactly what that uh, process of 
undoing the faulty timers was. It was about uh, undoing some things that had slowed trains for several years after there were some accidents or uh, some, some subway crashes uh, at Union Square and on the Williamsburg Bridge. In the 90s. In the 90s, yeah. And so those were safety measures that were then undone. We'll see where it all goes after this. Really, that's uh, a question. But he's, he's ultimately one man. Uh, everyone has credited Byford for having a strong organization around him, a bunch of good workers uh, in that orbit. And um, yes, it certainly was, I think, a dent to uh, the morale of some people at New York City Transit, but things go on and uh, we will see where things go. It's, I, I, I've told you this before, I tell people this all the time, there's no better beat in this entire city than covering transit, and I've been lucky enough to do it uh, now for seven years, first at New York One, and, and for about the last year and change at the city. And it's, it's a blast, it's always a blast, and uh, I, I, I really think it's a great beat. We could talk about it for hours. We could. Do you think that um, anybody else can go to these community meetings the way Byford did with the bus redesigns and calm an unruly crowd? Oh, and, how, and how they feel about stops going away? Or Sure, I, they're, they're going to have <laughs> to. They, they won't so, have his accent. And, I think and that's it. It's just very calm demeanor. And, you know, he, does, he does have a good way about him. But uh, those meetings can get heated. I've seen this. I've seen this under previous uh, heads of, of agencies at the MTA, previous presidents of New York City Transit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a high-pressure gig. Do you think we'll see another busway, like it's a 14th Street busway, which he was champion of, which we need? Well, do you think? Th that's been pushed by the, was pushed by the advocacy groups and, and, you know, the MTA did get on board with it. The city was a little slow to come around on it. And even at this point, City Hall continues to call that uh, a pilot program. You know, let's see how it goes. Then we'll see if we can take it somewhere else. But the response from the public has been really positive. And to the point it's where like I've, I've ridden it several times and I, I don't work down in that area anymore. If I did, I would ride it a lot more. But the times I have ridden it, I've thought, well, it sure is nice to not see all this vehicle traffic on 14th Street, to see buses moving at a pretty good frequency and then buses moving quickly along 14th Street. Because, you know, if you did it before, you, it, it wasn't select bus service, so the boarding was slower and there was so much traffic and if you were going west to east or east to west it was you were in for a really difficult commute you knew you were going to get jammed up by union square you knew you were going to get jammed over by sixth avenue it's just messy so i don't use this word often but it's kind of a pleasure to ride uh, to have a riding experience if you will where you say well that was nice that's rare that's that's really kind of rare so no wonder it's been so well received I, I last took it a couple of weeks ago I live on the Upper West Side I took the train down on a Sunday night to, I took the to, to 8th Avenue and 14th Street so you know pretty much at the far west end of the of 14th Street and I, I was going over to have dinner in Alphabet City so I very quickly got on the bus and I very quickly got over to um, 14th Street and Avenue B where I was going and I thought this is really cool this is really cool 
of course, on the way back to walk off dinner, I, I walked most of the way home. So I didn't get to enjoy the, uh, the 14th Street busway a second time. But I have been on it several times, and it would be good for buses, good for commuters in this city if there were more of those. I don't often give you opinions, but that's an opinion okay. that I that I one. would give you. It's a good opinion. Staying on buses for a minute, um, they're talking about a pilot program in the outer boroughs with Uber and Lyft to take people to uh, subway stations in the transit deserts. I've said it before, there would be no real need for Uber or Lyft in the boroughs had they, you know, upgraded and maintained the system and grow, grew, or expanded it, or expanded and grew along with the boroughs. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Or they could just run more buses, but whatever. Well, this is a this is something that the MTA is now uh, seeking ideas from on potential partners, which could be, as they call them, uh, shared mobility companies, which is just another way of saying app-based companies. That was a story that we broke here at, at the city uh, last week. Uh, I had gotten wind of this uh, request for proposals that the MTA had put out, which over the course of a couple of months is going to shape up in hopes that eventually they'll be able to partner with a company, whatever it may be, a fleet or a, an app-based company to offer people in the boroughs uh, late night service. So people, the, the advocacy community came out against it saying, you know, why would you be getting in, into business with these outfits that have really taken away from your ridership? You know, people have jumped over to the Ubers and Lyfts of the world and walked away from the subway. and. The, the, the point being made is, why don't you just improve bus service? Why don't you do things in the outer boroughs? But give the MTA some credit here because they're trying something different. And if it can work to their advantage financially, it might be a, a positive for the many people in a growing sector of the economy who work the late shift. That's the name of the pilot program, the late shift. So we, at, at, at the city, we... we spoke with some people who you know, work in hospitals, yeah. who work in food service, who work in, uh, in, in nightlife and hospitality, and they had the idea that, you know, if they can make this work, sure, I'd, I'd do it because right now you just, you, if, if you're relying on uh, the transit system and you live far from your workplace, wherever it may be, uh, and you're trying to get home late at night, forget it. It's, it's really, really tough and it's expensive. So as an idea, it's a concept that the MTA obviously feels is worth exploring and we'll see where it goes. I think this is uh, something that I'll probably be reporting on uh, more uh, in, in, in my spot here. Back to Andy Viper for a second. He was, unlike most transit presidents, as in he was visible. He was out in the world. Out people, there, very out there. People knew who he was. He was likable. He worked the media in a positive way to make the MTA not look so bad. He tried really hard. He he also understood emotionally how our commutes impact us. Um, the only other person I think who could who seeped into the public consciousness was Dick Ravage in the '80s. People knew who he was in the city. Do you think that irked the governor just a little bit that people knew who he was? He was likable. He was getting things done in a short amount of time. He was profiled in the New Yorker. 
He was profiled on, on 60. 60 Minutes. Uh, he got a lot of shine. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I was out with Andy Byford report in the process of reporting a story, and someone would come up to us and you know want to say, "Hey, I believe in what you're doing. Good luck." People recognized him, and when I wrote a story in the city uh, the day that he resigned, one of the advocates, I, I believe it was Lisa Daglian from the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee of the MTA. My goodness, that's a mouthful. She said something along the lines of what you just said, which was, how many transit officials do you think members of the public could recognize? And the answer would probably be not that many. No. You know, unless you're really, yeah, really a follower of this Vanderpool stuff. Was, but that was only if you pay attention. Yeah, I remember uh, the Times several months back did a story on who are the MTA board members. If you know that, you're really unique. <laughs> you know who the MTA board members are. Does Larry um, Schwartz know how buses work yet? Uh, does Larry Schwartz read the city yet? Not clear. Uh, well, he but, should. Yeah, <laughs> I would recommend it. We we do some some fine work here, but I'd, I'd have to say that was one of my highlights. Does Pat Foy read? I know he doesn't watch. TV, I know he doesn't watch TV, but that was one of my nicknames for Pat Foy. But does Foy. he read the city? I hope so. Maybe you uh, can share it with Larry. I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that I don't uh, know how our work is getting read. Right. <laughs> but, but I but I do hope they're reading because I think we're. Uh, getting into some solid work here and covering the beat a little differently. And like I said, I think it's it's the best beat in New York. Uh, I, I will tell that to anyone. You know, the political reporters think they have all the fun. They're wrong. <laughs> this is where it's at. Constant motion, even when the trains don't move. That's right. It is. At, at the next meeting, how many public speakers do you think will show up and start, you know, talking about Andy Byford's departure and what it means to the city? His name will be mentioned, uh, no doubt. Uh, I'm always curious to see how many speakers there are um, at any given meeting. That, to me, is a decent reflection of uh, public sentiment toward the MTA, whether good or bad. Uh, you get your regulars? You do get your regulars, yes. You get your irregulars. But, you know, I've, I've been at meetings where they've gone north of 60 people. And you're there listening to people who are very unhappy for yeah, more than an hour uh, on the microphone. And it is something to see. It, it speaks a lot for where things are. But I, I don't doubt that you know, Byford, with his supporters, his level of public support, uh, will be mentioned. I don't doubt that at all uh, at the next set of MTA meetings, which I look forward to them. I, you know, Sunday night, I get really excited. There's nothing quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the board, the mayor nominated Victor Khaleesi, a person with disabilities, to the MTA board. Hopefully he'll be approved by the governor. And this is something that tra advocacy, disability advocacy groups, transit advocacy groups have been clamoring for for a really long time, as they should, because somebody on that board needs to be able to speak up in regards to all the issues, and there are many, that those with disabilities face, whether it's paratransit, accessoride, which is stressoride to some people, the lack of the elevators, you well, know, the pilot program, the on-demand hire program, which you know had like some issues earlier this year, but there were late last year, but they seem to be working those out. 
everybody on that board has, in some way, shape, or form, some are better at it than others, but everybody on that board has, in some way, an advocate's role. All right, so you could be the representative from the northern suburbs who speaks largely on issues related to Metro North, or you could be from um, the eastern suburbs and speak a lot about the Long Island Railroad. You could be a representative for the unions and get really involved with union issues. But one thing that the MTA really hasn't had is someone from the disability community to speak on their behalf. So when this latest opening became available... Aren't there two now? There are multiple openings. Uh, but for the mayor? Yeah, I believe there are uh, two that, that, that are to be filled, but this is one of them. Right. Uh, Veronica Vanterpool, when she resigned, and I, I forget who the other one is, but you know, a lot of people p said right away, advocates for the disabled, said we should have a voice at the table here. So this uh, gentleman, Mr. Khaleesi, is going to uh, step in there and uh, one would assume be uh, a voice, uh, a forceful voice for uh, people who are constantly a presence at MTA meetings and very, very vocal in pushing for improvements there. You know, we talked about how they want to make more subway stations accessible. That is just one component of the things that uh, can be improved for people who have limited mobility. You, you mentioned earlier the apps. Uh, we, we hear a lot from people about how that hasn't rolled out to enough people and uh, where you can on-demand book service if you're unable to use a subway or a bus. Uh, you know, with just tapping on your phone. Because Accessor Ride, you have to um, plan your ride 24 hours. Yes, it's, it's, is, it's really difficult. Which is, and plus the process to just sign up for it is ridiculous. One of the stories I did oh, a couple years back, I, I went out to uh, Middle Village and rode with a woman uh, who is in a wheelchair. And we, uh, I, I pull up to her home and she taps on her phone. And then, you know, five minutes later or whatever it was, a few minutes later, uh, a yellow cab pulls in and we commuted and I, I was shooting this with my camera um, we commuted to downtown Brooklyn to her job there and she said that it was terrific you know the the ability to quickly get a ride the, that it's just no need to trouble herself with that advanced booking but that's one thing that this this gentleman Khaleesi I'm sure will be advocating for and hearing a lot about it's an issue that never goes away, and, um, and, and, and of course, it's a basic right that, that people should have transportation, and a lot of times, whether it's the lack of uh, accessibility in the subway or the shortfalls that come with the paratransit in this city, uh, they, they are good and fired up to make things better for themselves. Do you think we'll ever see the likes of Andy, someone like Andy Byford ever in that role again, even though it's different now? It is a different role now. Uh, I, I, I really don't know who who's going to step in there. Uh, I, I really have no idea where it goes from here. You might see someone who is a little bit more uh, out of the spotlight, mm -hmm. so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case, but the, the rules have changed. Uh, with this MTA transformation plan, which is taking effect, you're seeing a lot of new players, a lot of people brought in. Uh, it's very from, top heavy. 
non-transportation uh, fields, uh, some that are from transportation fields, but it's a fundamental remaking of the MTA, which is incredibly boring and very dense and, you know, it's just dry, but in spite of that, it's very important because the MTA is huge, the MTA is important, the MTA moves people. We gotta get to work. It's gotta work, exactly. His, however, Byford's resignation has brought attention back to municipal control and Speaker Johnson's plan to bring back municipal control. Do you think that that will ever happen with the subways and buses again? It's been 50 years, 51 years. And there's a reason the MTA exists. There's a reason why the MTA exists, but you know, it's not, it's imperfect. Everything's imperfect. But do you think there's ever a shot for that to ever happen again? Who's to say? This is an idea that other mayoral candidates have floated in the past, and ultimately that's what Johnson will be, a mayoral candidate. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a signature issue. Uh, it's that, a great plan, though. That he can hitch his wagon to and, and say, New York City, the city of New York, should at the very least have control of the subway system within the five boroughs, and of the buses, but it comes with all types of risks. It comes with all types of uh, potential pitfalls, and th the politicians tying themselves into politics. Look, like I said, there's a reason that the MTA was created, and uh, there there are potential issues and, and all types of things that have to be cleared in the first place. But who's to say where it goes? It's certainly an interesting idea that Mr. Johnson raised, I think it was in January of 2019. We had just moved into this office at the city, uh, and, he, and he gave that speech out in Queens. Um, and it's really an interesting idea. Whether it happens or not, who knows. But right. it's, it's certainly going to be uh, a signature issue if and when, in other words, when he runs for mayor. Mm -hmm. He will. It's a politician. He will. Well, he's going to be term limited yeah. soon. There's a lot of discussion now about making transit free here in the city. Councilman Mark Traeger is submitting a plan to make transit free. Peter Harrison, who is running for Congress in the 12th District of Manhattan, has created an entire plan for free transit. There were protests a couple of weeks ago. Of course, that also has to do with cops, the, the police presence, narrative. Yeah. But do you think it's even possible to have a system this large and have it be free for everybody. That is a big and lofty goal. And free transit has been done in other parts of the world, but in systems where that are minuscule. Yes. Luxembourg might amount to, you know, two subway cars on my morning commute. Yeah. Uh, that's an exaggeration, of course, but it is really not even apples and oranges, you know, we're talking like watermelons and, uh, and grapes mm -hmm. in terms of the size differential there. Uh, it's, it's massive, so who knows? It, it's nice, it sounds nice, like so many things it sounds nice, whether it's realistic, I would say that that's really a stretch. This is a massive system, it's an old system, uh, the maintenance, the upkeep, uh, the capital needs, the expansion, the constant pressure. That's, does the city really want to go into business with that? 
there's, there's a reason that the city um, is no longer involved with being the head of the New York City Transit Authority. Well, you know, for decades, the fare was five cents, and they kept it there because they didn't want to make the electorate mad, and then they had to raise it to maintain the system. You pay a price, ultimately. And you pay a price you pay for a that. pay a price, ultimately. So it's just kind decades of Decades like, later, yeah. everyone is still paying a price for a lack of political will to, well, you know, to, to put it in this manner, to, to, to stick it to the public. But right now, uh, the public is getting hit with fare increases every two years. The MTA is running big deficits. Uh, the MTA has a, an enormous capital plan of $51 billion coming up at some point. Um, and how are you going to pay for that all? That's so there are... No, there's congestion pricing, but they're doing that in secret, so we don't know where the car, bar, car bats are. So, that, and that's, so and much that's for that transparency, huh? That's expected to provide a steady stream. Which but it's only going to be like, what, $2 billion? It's, it's going to give you a few pennies, uh, yeah. shall we say. Comparatively? But to the whole thing? It's all relative, but, you know, look, it's, it is really important that congestion pricing uh, is at least available. Mm -hmm. uh, it gives... Uh, the MTA something to dip its uh, paws into when it's looking for money because uh, the MTA as always is in need of money and and this gives it that this gives it at least some a, a something of a funding stream recently in these conversations I've been just sort of putting this thought out there is there hope for better transit in New York City? Do you believe that there are better days ahead for New York City transit? Whether it's buses or trains? I would hope so. I would think so. I mean, look, the city has been in far worse places before when it comes to its transit. True. Uh, which in, is not in the eighties, they were literally falling off the tracks. Which is yeah, bad. The, the, yeah. The, the cars are breaking down more frequently, the, the crime for everything that people talk about now crime in the subways, it was uh, not even close to, to where we are now. It was just, that, that's always a reality check, to look at the numbers from where they were uh, when I was a kid. Um, so it's all relative, but do I, do I believe that the MTA can go up? Sure, why not? It takes political will, it takes um, a lot of drive, and it's too important to have it fail, to have it go backwards to where we were uh, in the late 1980s, in the mid-1980s. No one wants that. Um, but it's also worth noting that uh, regression is, is natural right. also. And, and we certainly did see that in these last few years when ridership dropped, when delays spiked, when people were really unhappy with the transit system, as unhappy as they had been in a very long time. And if, if there's one thing that Bifurk did was it restored some public confidence in the system. It really did, to the point where people were genuinely not happy when, when he announced he was leaving. But again, not to put too much on one man, right. he's just one man. It is an organization with a lot of people, a lot of smart people, one would think. And they have a huge task in front of them. True. In our remaining time, are there any other thoughts on Andy Byford's departure or departure or thoughts on transit you'd like to share? 
Well, I think I've said this already. It's the best beat in town. It keeps me busy. Uh, I love the work that we're doing here. I, I you know, when I was being, um, when I was considering coming over here, I was not sure that I'd be able to uh, do the kind of work that I do. I'm doing here, just enterprise and investigative work on a daily basis, and it's been a real uh, joy. To, to use a word that I ordinarily don't use because I'm a negative person. <laughs> but it's, it's been a joy to discover uh, just how deep the well is on transit stories uh, in terms of what we can cover. There are a lot of uh, talented reporters that are on this beat alongside me. I admire their work. Uh, and I think that what we're doing at the city and at the other publications as well is keeping people informed about something that's massively important to the well-being of the city uh, and to the, the, the well-being of the economy, to everyone getting around. So I'm just going to keep going at this for as long as uh, I can and uh, hopefully delivering good stories because our, our, our slogan at the city is reporting for New Yorkers and uh, hopefully we're doing that in a way that shows some of the shortcomings at the MTA, some of the cost overruns, some of the things that they're doing wrong. I don't wish to be a negative person, but these are important stories and they ultimately matter to the public. True. Well, thank you for your time and I appreciate you being on the podcast again. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, I'll look forward to the next one. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So what did we learn today from Jose Martinez? While Jose reiterated to us that Andy Byford is only one man, and there are many dedicated people who work for the MTA, which is very true, he managed to stick out from the fray by doing good things. An important aspect of Andy Byford was this is a man who understood what transit means, what transit is here for, and more importantly, how it works. He brought with him Pete Tomlin, who is his signals guru, who was supposed to help the system transform into something that was modern and functional. However, Tomlin left when Andy Byford resigned. As Jose pointed out, once again, the MTA is a political behemoth, a multi-headed monster that makes things very difficult to get things done. All roads lead to the governor, whether he likes it or not. Also, it depends on the day as to whether he acknowledges that he's in charge of it or not. Andy Byford didn't strike me as the political type. This position shouldn't have to be political anyway. It's not political moving trains and getting buses to move through the streets. This should not be a political exercise. And that's exactly what Andy Byford wanted to do. He just wanted to get trains and buses moving. Which he really tried to do and successfully managed to get some trains out of the slog. Through the Safe Seconds program, where the R actually started to make good time, sometimes, when the signals are working and when the congestion isn't a problem. He managed to shave several minutes off the good old R, which I acknowledge and appreciate. He was positively giddy over the 14th Street busway, navigated through tough audiences during bus redesign meetings. He made accessibility 
a priority, which is amazing given that the MTA has been shamefully thumbing its nose at the ADA Act for 30 years. But we have on paper more elevators to be installed. Whether or not all of them will be installed has yet to be seen. But it's hard to do your job when you are undermined and your signature project is frequently picked apart by someone who doesn't quite understand how trains work. Undermined by someone who only spends time in a tunnel during his annual khakis windbreaker pointing at things photo op. Byford was everywhere. If you didn't see him physically, you could hear him via announcements. Byford not only understood that transit is not only a functional part of our lives, it's emotional. There is reassurance in knowing that you will get to where you need to be and knowing that you will be able to get there. He seemed like a reasonable man in a sea of sometimes unreasonable, difficult people. The transformation plan is here, and with it, Andy Byford's job, the main reason he was hired, is not. So he has left because he could not do what he was hired to do. As Jose points out, not all the people in the transformation plan actually work in the transit field, so we shall see how things pan out. I only have hope that these new executives will continue to steer us into a better future and positive days ahead by building on what Byford had already started. Of course, Jose Martinez and all of our intrepid New York City Transit reporters will be there to share the story. All of this being said, I was very skeptical of Andy Byford in the beginning. Admittedly, he grew on me. And I accepted him as this city's train daddy. So, so long, Andy Byford, we hardly knew ye. And because the MTA is a political organization, I encourage any politician to talk to me. I may not agree with you politically, but we can still talk transit in the MTA. Color, creed, sexual orientation, or political affiliation doesn't matter. We're all just trying to get to work. Also, vote. Get out and vote. If you have not registered to vote, register to vote. Major and local elections happen all the time. And that person you vote for on the school board probably has higher political aspirations that ultimately may impact you more than what textbook your child reads. And again, the MTA is a huge political organization run by the governor with board members approved by the governor. You can pick up registration forms at any municipal office. You can call 1-866-VOTENYC and they will send you a registration form and you can mail it back. You can also register online. Go to Board of City Elections in the City of New York and you can register there. As Bob Schieffer's mother used to say, go out and vote. It makes you feel big and strong. For those of youngins who don't know who Bob Schieffer is, get your Google on and Google him. I used to watch him every Sunday morning on my Sunday morning nerd show, Face the Nation. Anyway, regardless, go out and vote. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, 
and I hope that Jose Martinez and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate, or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out to Jose Martinez and myself. And as the four tops once said, reach out and I'll be there. Thank you to Jose Martinez for meeting with me for a record second time. Very exciting. Find Jose Martinez and the city at website and the city at the website thecity.nyc backward slash. Email Jose at jmartinez at thecity.nyc. Instagram the city ny at on Twitter at the city ny and find Jose J Martinez NYC Facebook at the city ny find me email podcast Sarah at gmail.com and Sarah is with an H this podcast is hosted on anchor.com Twitter at exine zoom that's E-X-E-N-E-Z-O-O-M, where I employ the hashtag How's Andy's Commute whenever I complain to the MTA about my miserable commute or yours. You're welcome. Also, hashtag service evasion and hashtag build a bus is slow. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel. One big word. Facebook, lights at the end of the tunnel. SoundCloud, lights at the end of the tunnel. Spotify, lights at the end of the tunnel. Stitcher, lights at the end of the tunnel. Google Podcasts, lights at the end of the tunnel. Although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcasts, lights at the end of the tunnel. Radiopublic.com, lights at the end of the tunnel. Overcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Pocketcast, lights at the end of the tunnel. Castbox, lights at the end of the tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Follow them on Twitter at OxRoofMusic. Also SoundCloud, OxOnTheRoof, and Instagram, OxOnTheRoof. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.